I wanted to reassure Nate that Nate, you're not the only American who's ever attempted to understand Mr. Blobby. Mm-hmm. You're not alone here. Mm-hmm. And I would like to read you this article from the New York Times in 1994. Um, uh, there's just there's a lot of perfect sentences in here, and I just I just like them to just wash over us all. Sure. Americans may ooh and ah over Anthony Hopkins and Emma Thompson. The British prefer Mr. Blobby. Seven feet tall and shaped like a bowling pin, Mr. Blobby began his life as a doodle. He was intended as a minor ephemeral character on a BBC show called Noel's House Party. Now he enjoys all the perks and anxieties of a media superstar. There are Blobby videos and Blobby mugs, Blobby keychains and Blobby dolls. Blobby has a hit single appropriately titled Mr. Blobby, which became Britain's number one song during Christmas. There are licensed Blobby impersonators who draw adoring crowds wherever they appear. There are even Blobby scandals. The latest involves a six-year-old girl, an outraged father, and a squished Blobby-shaped birthday cake. It's an impressive achievement for a character whose entire vocabulary consists of Blobby, Blobby, Blobby. (laughs) Mr. Blobby, or Blobby to his friends, first appeared a little over a year ago as part of a BBC stunt designed to embarrass celebrities. Invited to appear on what was billed as a new children's program, soccer stars, cooks and rugby players showed up only to have Mr. Blobby knock down their goalposts and splatter their custards. (laughs) Some were amused. Others cursed the pink and yellow polka-dotted oaf. Their reactions were then broadcast on Noel's House Party, a Saturday evening variety show that is one of the BBC's highest rated and silliest programs. Another thing we'll come back to. Mr. Blobby's escapades prompted an unexpected outpouring of affection from the disaffected British. I wish I had a pound for every knitted blobby I've been sent, said his creator, Michael Lego. Name alert. Just huge name alert. BBC's head of light entertainment. Mr. Blobby, who is inhabited by an actor, Barry Killerby, now has a guest star status and wreaks blobby havoc on the BBC every other week. Mr. Lego explains Mr. Blobby's appeal. It's amazing that there are two men, one of whom is real and one of whom is fictitious, and they both have equally absurd names. Like, if you were asking a person to guess which one of them was real, you'd have no idea. Um, Appeal as a product of his essential innocence. He really wears his heart on his sleeve, he said. But watching Mr. Blobby at work, his green plastic eyes spinning maniacally, one has to wonder whether his appeal to this nation of Shakespeare, Milton and Philip Larkin isn't a bit more complex. His frozen smile has a malevolent curve. Blobby is Barney without his medication. British children seem particularly delighted with Mr. Blobby's brand of mayhem and his appearances at shopping malls and ice skating rinks draw thousands of young fans. Neville Crumpton, another great name, who bought the rights to market Mr. Blobby's bottom-heavy likeness, said he knew the pink and yellow bumbler was going to be a hit when his two children couldn't stop talking about him. They just lived for Saturday evening. I'm also enjoying that they're drawing attention to the fact that Mr. Blobby is caked up. (laughs) It's important to know that Mr. Blobby has got a huge wagon on him. (laughs) Um, Is there Blobby pornography? I've just thought of it, which means it exists. Mr. Blobby's rise to stardom has provoked anguished commentaries about just what he stands for, the so-called Blobby question. Some commentators have called him a metaphor for a nation gone soft in the head. Others have seen him as proof of Britain's deep-seated attraction to trash, yes. Mr. Blobby is not some aberration of taste, but an intrinsic part of British culture, one columnist wrote in the Sunday Times, adding... 
But it's not the part we like to boast about, especially around the Americans. Well, on this show, we beg to differ. <laughs> Such criticism <laughs> has tended to bounce right off Mr. Blobby, at least until recently. Last month, the London tabloid The Sun reported that Mr. Blobby reduced a little girl to tears when he threw her birthday cake to the floor during a show in Luton near London. Incensed, the girl's father jumped onto the stage and punched the bulbous entertainer. Dad gives Mr. Blobby a smack in gobby, The Sun's headline read. <laughs> <laughs> Luton Baz getting into a fight with Mr. Blobby at your birthday party is just such a such a powerful British concept. Like you could almost generate nuclear power from that thought alone. Like just shove that but was into it the reactor. actual Mr. Blobby or was it a Blobby impersonator? I really want to know. I presume it was a Blobby impersonator. Well, you know when like Homer goes to Clown College and The Simpsons. I think it's like that. I think there was like a Blobby College and they had to sort of take lessons into the poise yeah. and vocabulary and so that little girl wasn't even a victim of mr blobby himself she was a victim of stochastic blobby mayhem well one of the bobby simulacra yes like the 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 thing is that blobby is an amorphous concept you know there are many it's like an i am spartacus yeah i think it's like the luther blissett thing it's you Mm. know anyone can be blobby i think yeah you just just have have to embody it exactly believe in it yeah Mr. Crompton complained that the whole thing had been blown out of proportion. If the press can knock him, they'll knock him whenever they can, he said. The star himself seems to be taking the bad press in stride. His only comment so far, blobby, blobby, blobby. (laughs) Can you imagine the sort of aneurysm this must have produced in the readers of the New York Times in 1994? Well, I feel like one thing to point out, though, because I even remember this now, I turned 10 in 1994, so I wasn't exactly like an adult consumer of news. Was it the thing that was on the news the most in Britain about Britain back then was the sort of Tory sleaze scandals? Mm. So Blobby seems very quaint and, you know, modest by comparison to, if you're familiar with Dave Barry. Uh, he's an American like humor writer. He was syndicated in American columns. You, you probably don't, uh-huh. but he uh, he would do this annual sort of roundup where he would just sort of make fun of the news. And I remember like in 1994 or something like that, he basically said that like every every other headline in a British newspaper basically reads like three members of parliament and a member of the House of Lords caught in bed with newts and a calliope. Like it mm-hmm. just it, it was it, that's what it seemed like every every news story you'd see about Britain was like weird sex shit happening. So in a way, this feels very tame. Um, and yeah, it's not really changed, has it, in that respect? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the sex headlines aren't as big of a thing now. I mean, like, obviously, that, that exists, but I guess I don't really know what it's like. I haven't been home in so long. I don't even know what the perception from abroad is, if there even is one. You know what mm. I mean? Like, if Americans... Right now, America has some problems. So, like, I don't know if they really even care about Britain. Mm. It seems like kind of... I think that's... My perception of it, like the Europeans, basically concept of Europeans, just like pointing at Britain and being like, "Oh, what's that fucking idiot done now?" Yeah, um, I don't think the Americans doing that. America, see, if you say to a European that Britain is no longer the sick man of Europe, it's the naked man mm. in Tesco of Europe, they'll understand that. But Americans yeah, won't even yeah, understand yeah. the. They don't realize that what Tesco is, or the fact that you can, on a normal day, encounter a naked man in Tesco. And as a result, well, like, certainly in the old Kent Road Tesco, yeah. anyway, <laughs> you can also <laughs> encounter Mr. Blobby, who's been used in their advertising campaign under the slogans "Prices that take you back." And there's a picture of Mr. Oh, Blobby wow. in Tesco. And not not back to a good place. No, though. no, yeah. not at all. Back to a bad place, really. Yeah, no, that's not. Take that's you not back good to the sort all. of days when like Tory MPs were like being found dead with like 
oranges in their mouths and you know mm. stockings and suspenders and yeah i gave you all the clues mr policeman <laughs> <laughs> a serial killer who's only murdering tory mps and dressing them up as though they died in a wanking accident <laughs> Never suspected ever. Not all deaths recorded really, really as frustrating that No one has ever caught on. Yeah, and at yeah, the yeah. time, there was you know this character who was being played by multiple people who was you know notorious for just bungling and breaking things. Mm. And you know if you dressed up as Mister Blobby, no one ever suspected you. Blobby accidentally killing people through by not knowing his own strength. <laughs> that was pretty much the joke, right? I mean, mm. you know, Noel Edmonds was on a show that did accidentally kill someone. Um, y- yes, which is is kind of how he ended up doing Noel's house party. So this is this is the next element I think of the of the notes, which is before we can understand Blobby, we must understand Noel Edmonds. Well, I think the terrible world of like early nineties television, more generally, really. Yeah, yeah. Noel Edmonds is kind of like the spirit guide of Mr. Blobby. Um, I, I feel like Noel Edmonds, in some ways, when I was research- I said this to Juliet while I was searching the show, Noel Edmonds fascinated me more than Blobby did in many ways. Um, so Noel Edmonds is from Essex, represent, um, and started out as a radio DJ in the 90s before moving into TV in the 70s and did much of the standard uh, British person who you either know and love from the 70s or is a convicted paedophile now from the 70s route of doing things like Top of the Pops. Um, and uh, something I'll say off the bat is there's something ex- powerfully partridge, not just about Noel Edmonds himself, but about all of his TV vehicles. Um, so let's start with the late breakfast show because yeah, I mean this was something he was on in the early eighties, uh, which is before even my time as like the resident old person on the podcast. Mm. Um, so I never saw the late late breakfast show, but um, it was it was something he did uh, after Multicolored Swap Shop that I mentioned earlier. Uh, its theme tune was performed by Spandau Ballet, so you're off to a good start. Oh, amazing! Wow. Um, So it was a magazine program for people who got up late on Saturdays, apparently. Um, So it had a hidden camera section, which was similar to a lot of the kind of pranks that Edmunds had on uh, Noel's house party. We loved a hidden camera section in that time. We really did. You had fucking Beadles about as well. Um, I mean, a few years ago, I had to explain Jeremy Beadle to a friend of mine from Mexico because Mm. I took her to Highgate Cemetery to see Karl Marx's grave. Right, okay. He's uh, right next to Jeremy Beadle. He's not very far from Jeremy Beadle. Um, (laughs) He's just around the corner. He's opposite Karl Marx failed to predict Jeremy Beadle. (laughs) Exactly, yeah, and that was why uh, communism didn't work. But uh, Mm. Jeremy Beadle's grave, all it says, apart from his name and the date, is Ask My Friends. Oh, okay. I need to be clued in on Jeremy Beadle. So Jeremy Beadle was, I mean, the reason it says Ask My Friends is because he was widely despised, uh, despite being a very high-profile television host. He had a show called Beadle's About, where he played a lot of, you know, pranks on members of the public. He was kind of like a British 80s Aston Kutcher, but without (laughs) the looks. Yeah, he was not not a prissy man. Um... Uh, but basically, the pranks are always sort of quite mean-spirited and, you know, ended up mm-hmm. with people sort of mm. hitting Beadle with just whatever came to hand. Yeah. Um, he also hosted uh, You've Been Framed, which is basically like America's Funniest Home Videos. I know I've yeah. heard of that, but I've never watched it before. Yeah, we had we had Candid Camera as well, didn't oh, we? Yeah. But that's an American yeah. show, I yeah. think. Yeah, because oh, okay, yeah, I'm yeah. pretty sure it had its origins but in the US. We should talk about why, why Noel Edmonds left. Uh, the Late Late Breakfast Show. We should, because this is powerfully Alan Partridge. Well, this if is, you've yeah. seen your Knowing Me, Knowing You with Alan Partridge. You'll know this. So, 
they had a lot of stunts on the Late Late Breakfast show and there was a lot of concern that they were too dangerous to the point where the BBC kept getting threatened with legal action by the health and safety executive. Is that moribund? <laughs> well, they plucked a member of the public from an exploding chimney by a helicopter. Right. Uh, I thought this show was like half like the most boring shit you can imagine exactly, and then half like half. Jason Bourne stuff. <laughs> yeah, so a stunt driver fractured his pelvis and injured his head by crashing at 140 miles per hour. Uh, after trying to leap more than 350 feet in a car. Uh, also in 1983, Barbara Sleeman broke her shoulder after being fired from a cannon. Great. Um, so, you know, this was already a concern. And then November 1986, a volunteer called Michael Lush was killed during his <laughs> first rehearsal for a, another live stunt, which is called Hang'em High, which involved bungee jumping from an exploding box uh, suspended from a 120 feet high crane. Um so the clip attaching his rope to the crane sprang loose during the jump and he died immediately. Fuck. Uh, the show was cancelled two days later after Edmonds resigned, saying he didn't have the heart to carry on. Um, so Smash cut to like Noel Edmonds, like four bottles of whiskey deep, then being like, we need you to come out of retirement for, no- <laughs> We've got for one Noel's Saturday Roadshow. And he's like, I swore I'd never broadcast <laughs> again. Julia, I don't know if you listened to the, the, the Britnology that we did about some mothers do have them. I did, but, but, yeah. But I, that was one of the weird mm. kind of call it, I don't the sort of mashup, if you want to call it that, of incredibly drab, boring, not particularly funny sitcom lines mm. and dialogue, and then just the most deranged physical comedy of just like incredible stunts, stuff exploding, like physical stunts that went on forever. And it feels like that's just, I don't know if that's less of a thing now, but that seemed like it was just a huge thing then. Yeah, I think 70s and 80s. And yeah, like in lots of ways, Noel's house party is just like a holdover from the 70s, really. Mm. It was sort of where a lot of the people who were like, oh, you know, why can't I watch Love Thy Neighbor or Ain't Half Hot Mum anymore? Would watch Noel's House Party. Why can't I do paedophilia anymore? Exactly, yeah. As was legal in the 1970s. I mean, <laughs> effectively, like, your house is full of asbestos and leaded paint. You've got a Watney's Party 7 and what you're do you watching think Mr. A, Blobby was made and of. And you've got a dude, you're watching a dude <laughs> fucking die on TV because he's jumping, he's jumping a motorcycle a distance no one should jump a motorcycle, basically. Yeah, they're trying to fit a guy into a Watney's Party 7. They're doing it all. And somehow you're also living in the peak of British social democracy, but no one has told you that. So you're not aware of it yeah. at the time. 